Good morning. Great to see you. Welcome to Awakening. If you're new, my name's Ryan. Absolutely thrilled to have you. Uh, we're in a summer series called Heart of Warriors and Poets, going through the Psalms. This morning uh, we'll be in Psalm 121. Next week uh, we'll be actually go back a little bit and go to Psalm 73. Amazing, amazing Psalm. And our good friend of Awakening, Dr. Charlie Self, will be here. You don't want to miss it. He'll even do some Q&A at the end. So bring your toughest questions to him. He's He's, he's one of those guys that's stupid smart, you know? He's just like, wow, you are unbelievable. And yet so engaging uh, of a communicator. So we're thrilled to have him. This morning, we're diving into this incredibly powerful psalm, Psalm 121. The author is anonymous. Some think it's Hezekiah, but nobody really knows. The genre, if you remember all the way back at the beginning, is a deliverance psalm. It's a cry of help or deliverance. What's unique to this is it's a psalm of ascent, uh, and that there's 15 of those. Here's what these are, and you'll notice if you turn to your Bible and go right after Psalm 119 to Psalm 120, you'll notice that there's 15 songs that are, they have the little title ascent there, and these were the songs that um, the Jewish people would sing as they journeyed, as they pilgrimed uh, to, the, to Jerusalem uh, for the feast. It's kind of like having your favorite track uh, on a road trip. You know, my favorite, uh, you know, music on a road trip is U2, Joshua Tree. That is the go-to music. You can't, you know, be on a road trip and not listen to that. Well, these songs of ascent are those tracks for uh, the, the Jewish people. The theme is that of God's protection. And this morning, we're going to be talking about how do you live above the circumstances of your life. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, the moments to worship and to be with you. Father, I ask that you would speak to us that you would move and that you would work, that we would meet with you. There's some in this room that desperately need the touch of your hand to experience your love and healing and hope and life. And so in this morning, we cry out to you. We're ready to meet with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Just 13 years ago, September... We celebrated the birth of our very first kid. We now have three. If you haven't seen the blonde Swedish family running around, um, I have a 13-year-old come September, which is crazy. I'm going to have a teenager. Um, started when I was 12, obviously. Um, and a 10 and a 7-year-old. I for- totally forgot the middle's age right there. That's what happened there. Had no clue how old he is. And, and like every new parent, the minute that held this baby girl, Ella, my heart exploded. Had no idea that a human heart could contain that much love for an individual. It was so precious, so magical, so meaningful. Um, I made some jokes during delivery, which I found out for those of you who have wives who are pregnant, don't do that. It's a bad idea. Um, I was telling Jenny, I'm like, oh, man, my back's hurting me. She's like, shut up. And, so, and she's the nicest person on the face of the planet. Three months into this wonderful 
human being, we could tell something wasn't quite right. Her health wasn't where it should be, and she was really struggling. Three-month-old. For the next few months in and out of doctor's office, just going to your general physician, and then it escalated, and now we're at specialist, trying to figure out what's wrong with my six-month-old, precious, newborn baby girl. Something about father-daughter relationship. I got to tell you, I was angry at God. And yet I had this, this juxtaposition in my soul because I desperately needed him. And so I cried. And I cried out to God. And hurt and pain, longing and hoping. In fact, I, I mean, I, I'm so thankful. Like, it doesn't always end up this way, but she was going to go in for a surgery, a little baby. And days before the surgery, God supernaturally healed her. Amen. Yeah, man. So grateful. So thankful. Does God still heal? Does God still do miracles? Yeah. I get to see her every day. Life's hard, isn't it? There's, there's things and circumstances that come into our life that are completely unexpected. That knock us on our rear. That cause us to question the goodness of God. What do you do in those moments? One of the things I'm so incredibly grateful for is the Psalms. Because they teach us how to struggle honestly with God. How, how to be angry and yet still honoring, which is really difficult. And how to bring our hurt and our pain to Him. And not filter it, but all of it. So this morning, with Psalm 121, the psalm of a journey of a people who are on their way to Jerusalem. As as they're trekking through, there's moments on the journey that are treacherous. There's moments on the journey that are lonely. There's moments on the journey when you're not sure they're going to reach their destination. And yet they're on this journey to go to the house of God. And so they're crying out, and they have a song of deliverance. How do you live above the circumstances of your life? How do we regain perspective in the storms of life, and can you actually experience peace when life's really hard? If you got your Bibles... Would you open up to Psalm 121? The answer to those questions 
in the middle of life is hard is very simple. The answer is simply this. When life is hard, when circumstances are unfair, when the storm is raging, to rise above, to regain perspective, we simply need to shift our focus. The psalmist is going to give us four areas where we shift our focus. First area is God is bigger than your problems. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this because this is the crux of the issue and everything else flows from this. The psalmist starts off this way. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? On the journey, as they're getting closer to Jerusalem, you're traveling through mountainous terrain. I lift my eyes to the mountains. And the mountains, this was a a place of danger, a place where crooks hid, where predators waited. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. See, I lift my eyes to the mountains. I focus on my problems. I focus on the issues. I focus on the things behind uh, that's going on around me. And what he's saying is shift your focus just one notch up. You know what I'm saying? Is Here's your problem. And he's saying, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from where? Up. Just one notch up. See, we stay right here, just one notch up. See, God is bigger than your problems. I need help, not from anything that's created, but from the one who created everything. Now, check this out. Right here. Next slide, Brian. This is um, Spiral Galaxy NGC 6744. You will not remember that at the end of this sermon. You would think that scientists would maybe be a little bit more creative in their naming, but I think there's so many different galaxies that they just gave up. And uh, just now it's Spiral Galaxy, uh, NGC 6744. And what's unique about this spiral galaxy is that scientists say this is a twin, if you will, of our galaxy. It looks like our galaxy. The only difference is it's quite a bit bigger than our galaxy, but we can't see the Milky Way, and we can't really get it in its scope, but we can see this galaxy, and it gives us a picture of what our galaxy looks like. They tell us it's a twin. Now, let me talk a little bit about the Milky Way galaxy, which looks a lot like that. The Milky Way galaxy, by the way, is one galaxy of about 100 billion, right now that we have guessed, an estimate to 200 billion other galaxies in the universe. They're just guessing because by the time our technology catches up to see even further out into space, uh, the Milky Way galaxy is about 100 million light years in diameter. Now, a light year is this. Is a light year is, you know, how fast you can travel in a year. And light is the thing that moves at a constant in our universe no matter where it's at. And light travels at 186,000 miles per second. 
And so it takes one year at 186 miles per second if you want to travel around just our one galaxy. Now, the sun. The sun, by the way, is one of approximately about 100 billion other stars in our Milky Way galaxy. It's just one of about 100 billion. Next slide. The sun is the center of our universe. It is so big, you just think about this, that the gravitational pull has set into orbit all the planets around the sun, that it is pulling our planet into orbit. And so our, the earth, planet earth, hello, is 93 million miles, or, or sorry, I, I redid the order last night on this. The sun, take, or the earth, there we go, orbits the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. Right now, we are orbiting around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, 93, now, now we go, 93 million miles away from the sun. And at the same time, the earth is spinning on its axis about 1,000 miles per Hour. So right now, we're on this rock. Just, I just want to put something into perspective. I want to give you a little perspective this morning. You're on planet Earth. It's spinning at a thousand miles like this and traveling around the sun at 67,000 miles. And this rock that is 93 million miles away from the sun is now, you know, one is, is, is on the far edge of the Milky Way galaxy, which is one of 100 to 200 billion other galaxies in the universe, and the one who created all of that says, I lift my eyes from this rock to the maker of heaven and earth. Paul would say it this way in Colossians. He would say this about Jesus and about the supremacy of, of God. Um, Where is it? There it is. He is, speaking of Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church, right here, Jesus is, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And God is bigger than any problem you will ever face. Problems of the world, the economy, healthcare, Trump, the state of America, the future of our nation, the future of our world. Problems in your life, the biopsy report, that relationship, the struggling, that wayward kid, son that you've prayed for. He says, how do you live above in circumstances of your life? You just shift it. And you look up 
And it's not you're looking to any created thing to solve your problem. You have a God who is bigger than anything you will face. The, the theological word is transcendent. He transcends all things. He's bigger than everything, and he's completely independent of all that he created. And here's why this is really good news. is not only that God is bigger than any problem, but God is attentive to your needs. He's attentive. This big and vast and mighty center of the universe holding all things together is attentive to your needs. He says, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So you can, if you want to... Do a little Bible study afterwards. You can go through circle and you'll see watches five times in the text. As other translations say protector or guardian or guards or keeps you. He watches over you. He will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Here's what he's saying. That God that holds the universe, that spoke, and billions of galaxies came into being says, I'm attentive to your need. Like, you have my attention. You matter. In the vastness of the universe, I have my eye on you. Like, God doesn't take a day off. God doesn't get tired. God God doesn't go, he don't have a bad day. He doesn't just, oh man, I just, a little little snooze there. He, He just doesn't have that. He's never bored. He's never distracted. He's never drowsy. He says, I got my eye on you. Have you ever gone to Raging Waters? Like, I remember going a couple times as a kid, but last year was my first time as an adult, which was fantastic. Uh, But I noticed different things because I'm watching my kids. Have you ever noticed what the lifeguards do at Raging Waters? Have you seen this? That's what they do. The whole time. And then I started doing it. You know, the whole time. And what are they doing? They are intentionally fixing their gaze on the water to make sure they do not miss a thing. And so they keep their head moving to keep their mind engaged, their focus on whatever could be happening. They have a pattern to it so that they don't miss a thing. And you have a God that's going this right at you. And to take it one step further, when my daughter was two, we make it through all this. We're at a family vacation, and we're at the pool. And she's playing on the steps, and my brothers were there with their kids playing on the steps. And they said, oh, you know what? You go sit and read. And so Jenny and I go up and sit and read. But here's the deal. I couldn't take my eye off my daughter. I'm like, there's just no way. She's my daughter. Joy. And I just happened to notice as I'm holding my book like this, not really reading. You know, you ever do this, Right? <laughs> I just happened to notice that my brothers had turned, both of them had turned their attention to their kids that needed, so their back was turned to my daughter who was in the middle, and she just took one step too many. And her head just went below the surface. And I got, I mean, 
I just jumped up, bolted, got him, pulled her out, and my heart's beating and racing. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what could have happened if I hadn't been watching? But I'm her dad. And the way God wired me, I'm like anal retentive. And so it's like, I, I'm always watching to a fault, to a fault. No, no problem. And here's, here's, here's what the psalmist is saying on this lonely journey. God is bigger than any problem you face, and he's attentive to your need as a perfect heavenly father who has got his gaze on you. See, when you turn and fix your eyes on God, this is so good, by the way, you realize God's eyes are already fixed on you. It's not as if all of a sudden you turn and you cry out to God and now you're on his radar. You're on his field of being. You're like, oh, there you are. Thanks for calling out. He's like, I've been staring at you the whole time, hoping you would look at me, hoping you would catch my eye. See, when you're in the middle of a hard time, when you're in the middle of a season, you you need to shift your focus and, okay, God is bigger than this season, and I'm going to lean into him. And by the way, God is attentive to my needs, and so so I will run to God as my shelter in the storm. See, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand in the scorching heat of life. When it just beats down on you, When the daily grind has ground you down, the sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night, nor the dangers of the night and the unknown when you can't see. God, I want you to do something in the notes if you would is a shelter in the storm, just cross that is a and put my. God is my shelter in the storm. See, when you shift your focus, when you go around here, and you begin to get a picture of who God is, that he transcends. He is transcendent. He is bigger than it all. He created it all. He is God, and there is no other. And that immense, unbelievable God actually is caring for me. Then all of a sudden you go, I'm running to him. I'm running to him. See, what we do, we look to everything or everyone else for a shelter in the storms, don't we? See, when the storms come, when life gets hard, we run to a friend. Maybe we run to whatever is our comfort zone, maybe our addiction. Some of us run to work. Some of us run to our kids. Some some of us, we run to control, don't we? Because when life's out of control, what do you want to do? And so you begin to control every area of your life, and you get really stressed out. And if you just get that in control, God is my shelter in the storm. But what about if it doesn't work out right? You know... Great for you, Ryan. You, you have a miracle daughter. Awesome. I have a lot of pain. What if something worse happens? What if there isn't a happy ending 
to the story. See, God is not only a shelter in the storm, God is in control of the future. If our first theological word is transcendence, that God transcends time, space, matter, that he is bigger than all that has been created and outside and independent. We close with sovereign, that God is absolutely sovereign and in control. He is the alpha, which means the beginning, and omega, the end. He is outside of time, and so he sees all of time, and he is orchestrating our time for an ultimate good. And one day, he will restore And make all things right. That is the promise and the hope of Jesus that he will return and he will make all things right. And so God has the final say, not your trial. God has the final say, not your problem. God has the final say, not that circumstance or that person or that issue. And because of Jesus, not even death has the final say. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forever. See, God is way, way bigger than your problems. And here's what I love. Uh, One theologian wrote this. God is neither too great to care, nor are you too insignificant to be noticed. Sometimes in the immensity, when we begin to get a high view of God, you think he's too great to care. And he cares. And sometimes we begin to think, how could God care about me? He says, and you are not too insignificant to be noticed. You are under his careful watch. So how do you regain perspective in the storms of life? That's it. Shift. It's real intentional, by the way. I know the notes are fairly simplistic, but it's really intentional. You know what every single line starts with? God is. See, in the storms of life, you shift your attention to who God is. When you're going through the pain and the uncertainty and the circumstances that are overwhelming, you shift your attention to who God is. That he is bigger than any problem you face. That he does care intimately about you. That he is your shelter and he is in con. Let me ask you, where do you need to, in your life, go? Where you've been focused on the mountains and you have to shift your eyes just one notch up to who God is. Uh, My daughter 
gets to go to this great school called Las Gatas Christian School. Um, I kind of have an end there because my dad works there. And they did their science camp this last year. And they went to Hume Lake for their science camp. I'm like, that's amazing. I'd love just to go there anytime. Uh, and she came back and she left me a note on my desk. It's this little stick it note on my desk. This miracle girl, this girl that I prayed for, that I cried out in anger. God, why would you let this happen? 13 years later, 12 years later. Here's what it says. To Ryan Ingram. (laughs) We're very formal in my house. (laughs) Your fears are not bigger than God. Just louder. Hi, Dad. I got that from science camp. That stuck with me, and I hope it will stick with you. There was a band I think you would like. It's called Undone. Like, how amazing is that? I mean, like, that wrecks me. I still have that up. It's right there on my desk. I see it every day that the girl that I was praying for now is praying for me. The girl that I have hopes and dreams and want stuff to stick with her, she's now passing on and encouraging and having things stick with me. And I just go like, wow, God. Like when I sit back and I look over the course of the totality of the last 13 years, all I can say is, wow. Your fears, your problems, your concerns. The anxiety and the worry and the weight and the stress and the pressure is not bigger than God. It's just louder. And so for you, what is it? What is the area where you need to shift your focus, where you need to go, okay, I've been so consumed with that. I've been so consumed with this relationship. I've been so consumed with trying to maintain control. And this morning, in this place, on this day, I'm going to shift my focus up to the God who is in control, who is sovereign, and who cares for you. Like his eyes haven't left you even when your eyes left him. And so this morning, I actually want to close a little bit differently. And I'm going to ask you, if you wouldn't mind standing up with me, and you can go ahead and turn the lights down. And here's how I want to close. I just want to be the church this morning. And sometimes the shift of our eyes, we just need a moment in time where we finally go, I give. That's me. It's me. I, I'm just, it's, I'm tired. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm lonely. Like my problem is my singleness right now. 
And another people problem, by the way, is their marriageness right now. But sometimes we just need the body, the church, the body of Jesus to help shift our eyes up. So here's what I want to do. I want to take a moment where if you're in a place where you walked in discouraged, if you walked in hurting, if you walked in, you're just like, man, I'm overwhelmed and the circumstances are just tough. If you, if, I want to just have us raise our hands and then those around us just gather and pray for you. Or you'd have the courage to just go, today I'm shifting my eyes up. And then we as a church would just surround one another. And you don't have to even share what it is. God knows. He's big enough. And so if you're here this morning, you just walked in tired, you walked in discouraged, you walked in, would you just raise your hand? Have the courage, just raise your hand right now. There you go. Right here, turn around. Those who see him, turn around, turn around, look around, right up there at the top, start praying for one another. Start praying. You see a hand, church, you just start praying for the person there. Not too late, right over here, pray for them. Right in front, just start praying. You can pray the contents of this message. God, I know you're bigger than the problems that they're facing. And I pray that they may experience your overwhelming love in this moment. I want to make sure that every hand's being covered right now. It's not too late. And God, you are in control. And you have the final say. God, I pray this moment, I pray this moment will be an anchor point for some in their faith. Well, the first turn to you and find you sufficient for every need, sufficient for every desire, for, sufficient for every longing. God, I pray for every hand that was raised and the ones that weren't raised because they just weren't ready to, but they need you. God, would you shift their gaze upon you? May they find you a shelter in the storm, a refuge, a safe haven. God, I pray for the person that's just been running from you and feels like they have to get their, right, their life right before they come back to you. That they just stop in this moment and realize Your gaze has been on them. It's the gaze of love. It's the the voice saying, welcome home, come as you are. And this morning, they would run to you. God, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you are bigger than our fears. And in this moment, God, would you be louder? In Jesus' name.